conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. It is episode 162-ish. It might be 163. Um, Listen, it's your gal pal, Auntie Sarah, and um, there's a lot going on in this week's episode. I'm incredibly excited about it. I have um, exclusive thoughts from Real Housewife of Potomac, Candace Dillard Bassett, who has made a number of waves online in being really direct and impassioned in asking Bravo to support the Black Lives Matter movement when it counts. And if you are new to Andy Scrolls and or you're an OG of the AG, um, you have likely listened to last week's special episode of Andy's Girls, Bravo and Black Lives Matter. And first, I want to thank all of the many, many people who um, have supported the episode. And I just want to say that this week is really was an interesting one for me to produce um, to get the opportunity to amplify Candace's voice um, and have a really interesting conversation with friend of the show, Rafi D'Angelo, who um, was last on Andy's Girls in February and is a true and total delight. And getting his thoughts as a black Bravoholic about Bravo's recent Amplify Our Voices Instagram Live, as well as the Watch What Happens Lives apps that have aired. I heard from a number of you, including a number of you with audio satchels, which I'm going to include in the next episode that comes out um, next week. And um, 
what's been fascinating to me is that Bravo's bio says to be silent is to be complicit. That's something that Andy has said as well. And yet in Andy's response to the recent Vanderpump Rules firings, as well as Bravo's press um, uh, statement about those firings themselves, neither Andy nor the network have directly addressed the allegations made by Faith about what happened to her by several of her Pump Rules co-stars, both um, Stassi and Kristen, as well as like Lala and a few other members of the cast, including Jax. And what's interesting to me is that a number of networks have cut ties with writers, as we saw on the forthcoming SVU spinoff, um, some fucking Michigas with Teen Mom or whatever the fuck, um, something with um, another Bravo competition show, The Challenge. There have been a number of um, influencers or uh, quasi-celebs who have been fired from their jobs after reports surfaced about racist behavior or comments that they have made. And what's interesting is that in those scenarios, either production companies or networks publicly held them to account and said, we do not um, condone what X person said about Y comments. We do not condone specifically racist behavior. Those phrases have been used, and that person is no longer associated with X or Y show. And what Bravo did with the Vanderpump Rules firings is they said these people have been let go or will not be on next season. They left it to press outlets, including Variety, who I think had the exclusive, to say, these people were quote unquote fired and then to say fired because of racist behavior. But Bravo themselves still continues to carry uh, this focus of unfortunate silence and complicity where they are trying to straddle the line between Black Lives Matter and these motherfuckers saying all lives matter. They're trying to both hold people accountable for behavior without publicly acknowledging why that behavior is bad. And as Candace says, there's a difference between being against racism and publicly anti-racist. And that involves using your voice. I'm so appreciative to Candace Diller-Bassett for what she says um, exclusively to Andy's girls, her thoughts on where we are as a country with Black Lives Matter, as well as how the Bravo, as, as well as how the network itself, Bravo, needs to be held to account. And, you know, Andy went on Radio Andy and said, you know, I support what the network did. Just a reminder, I'm not an executive producer on Vanderpump Rules, seemingly doing the same thing that the network itself did, agreeing that these people needed to lose their jobs, but not publicly, loudly stating that their behavior was racist and this is why they're being held to account and absolving yourself of a little bit of the responsibility by saying you're not directly associated with day-to-day -day, um, production or executive decisions associated with the casting of Vanderpump Rules is problematic to me. It's just as concerning as Lisa Vanderpump's statement herself, which does not at any point, not one word about faith and apology to faith. Lisa is an actual producer on Pump Rules and did like the pinkest of responses. It felt like she spent more time figuring out what shade of pink her um, voice note apology or whatever should be without actually taking responsibility for anything. And what's really important is looking at and supporting 
both Bravo-holics who are demanding specific examples of change, as well as the Bravo-liberties who are pub- publicly holding them to account. Candace, I would say more than anyone else, has directly demanded that Bravo be more responsible to its black talent, um, colleagues, and viewers than I think anyone else. And I'm talking about specifically holding the network that she essentially works for and saying you need to do better. What is so continuously concerning to me is that she's done so publicly, which takes, again, so much fucking chutzpah, I can't even tell you, and Bravo has not yet actually publicly responded. Their bio says to be silent is to be complicit, and yet what other response am I Like, how else am I able to think of their behavior or lack thereof when I see black talent telling them you need to call racist behavior what it is and them not respond in any way? And Candace does not stand alone. There are other Bravo liberties who are um, demanding they do better. When Candy went on the Amplify Our Voices Instagram Live, she said, this should be um this needs to be on network tv um candy when she went on her watch what happens live she said this um is a conversation that also needs to be had as far as like the network executives that are a part of making change and what's happening in leadership and what andy's response was essentially like we're having a conversation we had a call earlier today mazel But what's important is you need to say this stuff publicly. It's not enough to say Black Lives Matter. It's not enough to say, here's a check. What you have to say is, here's what we are doing day to day. This is the percentage of our leadership team that is um, white or another um, uh, race ethnicity. And this is the uh, percentage of our leadership team in executive positions who are black. I need to know the stats involved in what you are doing on a day-to-day process. And if at a bare minimum, you are able to tell people they no longer have a job on the show, you need to tell us publicly as Bravo-holics, viewers, and members of the Bravo family why that is happening. Because that is when you're standing as an ally. And I would say from what I have seen, there has to be a reason, aside from like the corporate mishigas of um Uh, of what this all is, which I get into in my conversation a little bit later in the episode. But there also has to be an accounting that happens with the network taking responsibility for itself and acknowledging that many of the reasons that they're being appropriately criticized is because they don't have people in the room who are black, who are um, giving voice to um, why their responses have been so incredibly subpar. And I heard from so many of you about uh, with satchels about your thoughts on the watch what happens. And, you know, those will be on the next episode, which is going to be a deep dive into Vanderpump rules um, uh, and some other stuff. Um, But for now, I just want everyone to consider and appreciate the fact that Candace, not only in this exclusive for Andy's Girls, but also publicly has called for Bravo to do better. And my concern is that Bravo is continuing to stay silent instead of actually amplifying voices like Candace's. 
to not even address or respond to her comments, whether on Instagram or Twitter or wherever else, including today's episode, is unbelievably concerning and upsetting to me because her voice should be amplified. And if you're going to call an Instagram live, which should have been on the network, um, if you're going to call an Instagram live, amplify our voices, what are you doing after that? This is not just... um, social media and programming. This is defending people's lives. And Black Lives Matter means and amplify Black voices means having these conversations and holding oneself to account. And I understand the corporate decision making, which I do not agree with at all, but I understand that Bravo is reticent to do what's right, but that's not enough of a reason to stop demanding that they do better. And I hope that people at Bravo who I've been told (laughs) listen to the last episode, listen to this one and actually truly consider. Candace is not saying she's not on their side. She is a Bravo celebrity and her voice deserves to be heard. She is saying Bravo needs to do better and needs to be actively racist, anti-racist, oy vey. So why aren't they doing that? And they need to start now. So I hope you listen to um, Candace's response and you think to yourself, how can I do better? Because as she says, this isn't just a hashtag. This isn't just the picture of a black box. This is also like, how am I being actively anti-racist in my own personal life? And as a member of the Bravoholic community, how am I holding the network to account? We are not saying this is a matter of us versus them. We are a part of this community and we have a responsibility to support and uplift Black voices, whether they are Bravo viewers or members of a cast or God willing, someone in a corporate suite who is saying this is important and we need to show you that we are actively on your side and here's how. So thank you to Candace Dillard Bassett for sending in her thoughts. I hope you respond to this by going back into her social, liking, retweeting, replying with words of support to what she's saying and continuing to amplify voices like hers because that is where, um, That is where change happens. And I just want to say this before we turn to Candace. Um, I have spoken to a lot of people on all sides of like the TV production world. Um, I'm very fortunate to be able to do that with the platform of Andy's Girls and with just a really diverse group of friends that I have. And I was talking to someone the other day who commended me for the Black Lives Matter Bravo episode and also said, listen, here's what you need to keep in mind. The network is watching and they are choosing whether or not they are actually listening. You know what I'm saying? Like they can hear us, but are they actually listening? Do they understand that what is at stake? And regardless of the percentage of who are they going to lose if they don't do this thing versus if they do do that, holding them to account spreading the word about that letter that's on so many social media. I joined with many, many other Bravoholic accounts to say these Amplify Black Voices um, Instagram Lives need to be on the network itself. Coming up with specific calls to action and not staying silent, 
publicly holding the network to account is the only way that change is going to happen. Do you think that they were just in some back corner talking about Stassi and Kristen, the two others who we don't care about, about their futures just for shits and giggles? No, they were doing it because Bravoholics and some Bravo Lebs were publicly calling out this racist behavior and saying this is absolutely not okay and we will not stand for it. So when you listen to Candace's thoughts and you listen to my conversation with Rafi, D'Angelo a little bit later in the app, I just want you to think and understand that regardless of whether or not a story goes viral, you still have a responsibility as a member of the community. Consider this paying your dues as a Bravo-holic and a Bravo viewer, someone who loves the network, loves these shows, and most importantly supports these women, that it is now your time to show that you yourself are being accountable to show up and show out and you need to use your voice you need to do it in social media and you need to do more than social media but you need to make sure that you are continuing to tell the network that they need and they must and you are holding them to account and that there are consequences for them not stepping up um the Kelly of it all am I going to listen to Orange County next season if she's still on (laughs) spoiler alert not likely and that comes up in the conversation with um, Rafi a little bit later on but really for you now in this time what are you doing to say to Bravo I am a viewer I have watched for x number of years for most of us longer than a decade at this point and here is what I am doing and here is what I'm demanding that you must okay because the please and thank yous are lovely but we're not there right now what we need is for them to do better for us All right, so I'm going to turn it over to none other than Real Housewife of Potomac, Candace Dillard Bassett, who has a lot to say and demands our attention and a fucking response. Here's Candace. I think that we all know that (laughs) the year 2020 is going to leave us as human beings with a lot of takeaways. Um, I think coming into this year, everyone kind of had their their own uh, sort of optimistic ideals about, you know, 2020 being my year. This is going to be my year. You know, I'm I'm going to finally, you know, reach the pinnacle of, of greatness in whatever field, whatever goals everyone had set for themselves. And, you know, I think we were all bamboozled and all kind of, you know, hoodwinked in in a way because no one you know at least in my communities and and people that I've talked to from from all walks of life no one anticipated that you know we would be in not only a global pandemic but uh sort of a second coming of uh the civil rights movement um in in essence this is this is truly uh unprecedented times and I um I think that as a person of color who also has in my from my position in my mind uh, uh, a very um, a very important responsibility to use my platform as uh, a, a bravo liberty if you will to um, to encourage and and really enhance and boost morale um because people people do want to hear from us and people do 
want to know, you know, where we are and what we're thinking. And, you know, I could even take it back to pageants and competing in pageantry. And there was always this conversation within pageantry uh, that sort of spoke to, you know, how wide is the scope of our responsibility as leaders in our communities, as pageant title holders? And uh, that that same uh, school of thought can absolutely is applied to my position as a, a, a member of the Bravo family. And there are many of us, there are, you know, a about a hundred of us uh, who are active and some who are inactive but are still well known in the Bravo community who have in my mind in my opinion a uh, a very important and stark responsibility to um, to speak out right now and uh, I think for me personally I have always um been one who didn't have a problem talking about race and talking about conversations about race and surrounding race and racial identity, racial divides, um, racial injustices. I've always had those conversations um, amongst Twitter followers and friends uh, on on all of my social media platforms and it's funny because a lot of my uh, retorting and a lot of my thoughts that I would share with 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 the audience would be met with a frustration of why are you talking about race so much why is race always the conversation everything is not about race um, I've heard that from a myriad of people people from leadership positions um, you do talk about race a lot. That's a direct quote. I've heard that from uh, from from everyone, you know, from leadership at Bravo, from all the way down to, you know, fans who think they're leadership at Bravo because they uh, are, are, are fans. Bravo fans are one of a kind, really special people um, who do really, you know, take up um they create a space for themselves as leaders in the Bravo sphere, which I think is is a great thing, an amazing thing, um, but also very entertaining to uh, to watch. So, I I do, and I've talked about this on Twitter, but I do want to talk about uh, how important I think it is for not just some, but for all uh, entities at. Bravo, from talent to um, executive leadership, uh, from from you know all the way from NBC Universal, uh, all the way down through through Bravo, the entire Comcast. You know, it, it's we need to come together as human beings to um, present a united front against racism. It's no longer enough and this has been said a lot over the last couple of weeks. It's no longer enough t- enough to just uh 
say that you don't believe in racism or that you are not a racist. That's that's not enough anymore. We've we've entered into a space where you have to be anti-racist. And I think that uh, with the platform and with the influence that Comcast, that NBC Universal, that our leadership at Bravo, that our leadership at our production company, um, truly, or, uh, True Entertainment, excuse me. Um, I think that it's this is a time for all of us to stand up and and not just in an obligatory way, but really take on the responsibility of uh, condemning racism and being anti-racist and you know everyone is an activist in their own way and I'm not here to criticize or critique anyone's activism but you know I just I I think that we need to see more from our leaders um at Bravo, at NBC Universal, I would love to see more from um, the leaders amongst uh, the Bravo lever- the the Bravo Liberty uh, sphere. You know, I'm I've been a part of the, this, this Bravo family for three years now, uh, but there are people who've been here for ten, eleven, twelve years um, who are some who are speaking out, but you know, some who are not and the the level of importance and the level of value um, that is attached to uh, the the words that that come out of the mouths of a lot of the leaders at Bravo within our within the, the talent um, box. I think I would love to see more of a, a commentary and more leadership and more activism that speaks against racism that speaks against uh, systems of systemic oppression and systemic racism and just naming and it's simple things it's it's naming and calling out what racism is what uh, white supremacy looks like and and condemning it right just just outright saying this is wrong um, this is not. Uh, something that we as a Bravo family support or stand for. We we want to see the institutions of racism um, dismantled, removed. Uh, they are, there are many cities across the country who are having days where they are removing uh, signs of systemic racism and oppression and white supremacy, namely uh, Confederate flags, Confederate statues. Um, there are conversations in my uh, home state of Georgia about removing uh, the Confederate uh, carving that sits in the middle of Stone Mountain uh, in in Georgia. Uh, th- there are conversations where I live uh, close to uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, there have already been removals of Confederate statues and in other states removal of uh, Confederate flags and, and things that uh, uphold uh, the sort of the crux of of what made racism okay in this country and and you know a lot of that is attached to uh the confederacy and so having conversations about those things and talking about why it's important to uh remove these 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 really stark reminders of the 
one of the darkest periods in, in our history is, as Americans. And we need, you know, our leaders in pop culture, and that's our Bravo celebrities, to not be afraid to stand up and speak out against those things. Um, and, and to have very clear, concise conversations about that and not make it muddy by saying, you know, y- all lives matter. Yes, we know all lives matter. That's there. There was never a question as to whether or not all lives are valuable and important. But all lives can't be valuable and important when black lives are under siege daily, under siege weekly, under siege all the time. Um, and so having a clear understanding of that and then passing that along to your constituent groups, your fans. So many of uh, my colleagues on this network have hundreds of thousands, millions of people who would buy a piece of tape if their name was on it. Understanding the power of your voice and not being afraid to use that voice to speak out against racism racism and racist ideas and, and not being afraid to say, a part of my job as a leader here is to call out what is racist and not be afraid to dismantle the uh, the the great wall that is racism that divides our country in so many ways. And I think in addition to that, it's important um, as a Bravo community to present um, an ask or some deliverables to the people who watch us and and look to us for leadership, to, for entertainment, um, for whatever it is that they look to get from um, from from taking in the content that Bravo puts out. Um, I think it's important to to for us to as as black people um, and as black people on this network to. Um, look to our white allies and look to people who are not people of color and say to them, you know, we do need your help to dismantle um, the 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 wall of racism and to dismantle this um, this system that really exists at the the visceral and very basic levels of uh, what it means to be an American. Racism is woven into the um, the original fabric of America. And not being afraid to say that as a white ally um, is what we need and is an, something that I personally, as a black woman who is a part of uh, this the Bravo family, is, you know, asking that, white allies not be afraid to speak up, not be afraid to have those tough conversations with their family members, their friends, their fans uh, across the board. It can't just be we're protesting, you know, right now because it's fresh and and hot uh, off the presses and and fresh on our brains and in our hearts. But, you know, in, in a month, in a month or two, when the protesters have all gone home and you're sitting, you know, around the dinner table and your your really cool cousin makes a, an off-putting joke about black people or tries to diminish the Black Lives Matter movement, what are you going to say to them then? And that's where the real work begins. 
The protests are important. They matter. Uh, they have already gotten so much done. We've already been able to uh, affect uh, change in, in the way that um, the uh, the district attorney is going to be prosecuting Derek Chauvin and his three colleagues who uh, lynched and murdered George Floyd. Um, so protesting is important for that matter. But outside of that, you have to carry the torch of anti-racism into your homes, into your communities, into your jobs, um, into your microcosms. That's the only way to truly dismantle racism. And I think that Bravo has a position um, of leadership that needs to take that seriously and, con- and well, to, they, to, to take it seriously and continue to take it seriously as we move uh, into, you know, one of the most important elections, general elections, presidential elections of our lifetime. Um, and I know that politics is a very sticky subject uh, anywhere in the world and in any in any uh, community. But I think it's important to talk about, you know, the fact that if we really want change, there there does need to be a change in leadership. And a lot of those changes uh, rest um, on the in the hands of those who have the audience to be able to to make waves. And that's that's me and that's everybody at Bravo. So I look forward to uh, continuing to see how we as a Bravo community make our voices heard and make, uh, make, sh- make sure that the changes that we want to see are being facilitated by people who are armed with the tools to do so. I mean, truly, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think that Candace made a lot of solid points and the fucking, again, as I say, the chutzpah of calling it out and calling what it is and demanding from her production company, from the network and the parent organizations that they are not doing enough and need to do better and need to be actively anti-racist is an incredibly strong and brave um, take to have. And I, and something to say out loud, like we're not sliding into each other's DMs. Okay. Candace is saying this publicly in Andy's girls and she's doing so publicly on social and that deserves a public response because as interested as Bravo might have in these private conversations like what Andy mentioned on the um watch what happens with candy you know we had a long talk about it earlier today why aren't you having those conversations publicly because the whole problem here is that decisions are being made behind closed doors and p.s it really appears that the executives and people in leadership positions are all motherfucking white because I don't feel that there's any respect due to talk about what it means to be actively racist and this fucking like drinking game alert when you hear to be silenced to be complicit by anybody representing the bravo brand like take a shot of bullshit because that's what it feels like it is like to be silent is to be complicit and if you are firing someone behind closed doors because of their racist behavior and not actually calling it out publicly as racist that is being complicit. And P.S., where are the white allies? Bronwyn has done a great job on her social from what I've heard. Bronwyn, why are you <laughs> I still blocked? Apologies to you, but not Dr. Deb. Um, where are the other um, white allies, white Bravoholics and white Bravo Lebs? Racism is not the responsibility of black people 
to explain to white folks and others. Like it's on us. Ultimately, it is on us. It is an example of my own white privilege that I was so shocked and angry and annoyed about what the network has done. And that was really illuminating in my conversation with Rafi D'Angelo, who is so amazing and a black bravoholic and had thoughts and feels about his own reaction, which when you unpack is was so um, different to mine and kind of opened the window to me and an understanding of how my privilege as a white person informed my reaction to Bravo's response or lack thereof. And I just have to say, you know, it's not enough to blow, to post a black box. As I said on episode 161, you really need to unpack what's inside. And for Bravo, it's a lot of empty promises and a check that somebody is going to cash, but doesn't seem to be actually related to direct action and response. Um, so thank you to Candace Dillard Bassett. Um, I am so excited for Potomac season five. And P.S. If you motherfuckers aren't watching Potomac to say nothing of Potomac in Atlanta, what the fuck is wrong? Listen to the rest of this podcast, rated five stars on iTunes, and then immediately start watching because they're the two two of the best um, franchises in and outside of the Housewives canon shows on Bravo. And um, they deserve to be watched and you're going to motherfucking fall in love. So stop what you're doing, obviously, after you um, finish listening to this episode. Thank you so much. And watch those shows and follow Candace on social. Like and reply to and amplify her voice online because what she is doing is incredibly brave. And um, I hope that Bravo at some point um, during their next, I don't know, internal turtle time decides that her voice as a black Bravo liberty and a black woman in this country deserves to be amplified because it's one thing to name something in Instagram live. It's another thing to actually put those words into action. And Bravo at this point has not done enough or really anything. Um, So listen, let's shift gears. I want to have a conversation with Rafi D'Angelo, which you're going to listen to now who is an amazing writer behind so let's talk about.com and has a lot of thoughts and feels on Bravo's work with this amplify our voices IG live Portia and Candy and Nini and more with these special watch what happens um and I'm so excited for you guys to listen to that so enjoy that conversation I am so excited to be joined on the quarantine people's people's couch turtle time zoom satellite extravaganza kiki by none other than friend of the pod who i now consider a close personal friend um he might not know that but i'm sending him a friendship bracelet tomorrow rafi d'angelo writer uh, the the face and the zest of life, the joie de vivre behind so let's talk about.com. Rafi D'Angelo, how are you? I feel great. I can see the sun outside of my window um, because I left my bed. So great. <laughs> <laughs> I now consider my living room my um, country house estate. So when I see photos of like the fancy rich people in the Hamptons, I'm like, I have that same, same experience too. It's called, I go to my couch, which you have seen before. I have absolutely no fan or AC or anything else. So if I want a little bit of a schwitz, I go sit on my couch for 10 seconds and then I'm done. And then I've traveled for the day. Um, So 
listen, I'm so excited to talk to you because I heard from so many people after our episode, whenever it was February. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely before we were stuck at home. Yes, it was because you were actually here, right. uh, which is always my personal February. number one. I think it was February-ish. And it was so much fun that I was like, I need to have you back on the People's People's Couch ASAP. And I also feel like there is so much happening in the Bravo sphere with, first off, Black Lives Matter just in and of itself, plus Bravo's reaction to it, plus the number of stuff that has just happened with these like special watch what happens lives that have happened and amplify black voices on Instagram live, which we're pretending is network television for now. Mm -hmm. And there's just been so much happening. And I wanted to touch base with you and get your thoughts on your reaction to what's going on, your thoughts on Bravo's reaction. And obviously, you know, like Denise and Tins. Yeah. There's a lot to cover. <laughs> Just like buckle up. I feel I'm like ready. there is there's so much happening. So first off, did you have you been watching Bravo? Um, yes, I have. I know a lot of people stopped because well, not a lot of people, but I did hear comments here and there it was like, oh, I didn't feel like watching this kind of escapism while all this stuff is going on. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that's why I watch it. So I'm going to check off of the internet. I'm going to check out of the internet for this set of time. And in that time, I don't want to think about anything serious. So, you know, Housewives is the thing that I will put in that three-hour block checking out. What have you, I mean, has your viewing of Bravo changed at all watching how they've handled the conversations around Black Lives Matter and the action or inaction of it all? Well, that part, I'm not, um, so I just watch the show. I don't really follow behind the scenes. Like, I don't follow Bravo on Instagram. I don't typically read, like, news stories and stuff like that. It's like, you know, when it shows up in my face and it shows up in my face and, like, that's it. Because mm-hmm. my whole history watching Bravo is the less I know about these women, the better. Because then I can justify watching the show. Because if I knew, if I did a deep dive into every franchise or like every person on the show the only ones i'd be left watching are potomac and atlanta i couldn't watch oc i couldn't watch beverly hills i couldn't watch new jersey or new york if i dig in and say all right what does this person really believe and what do they think about and the same goes for bravo it's like if i have that wall up um between myself and the subject matter so i can still watch the show and it's the same with like a television station. It's like you have to have that wall up between yourself and the powers that be if you're going to justify watching yourself. And I hear you, and I think that's an important way of separating a personal attachment to the idea of Bravo from the actual franchises themselves, which would probably make their silence in many ways um, around Black Lives Matter and potentially their participation in like the umbrella of white privilege, um, a different kind of experience. Like I lost my mind recording the Black Lives Matter Bravo special episode because I've become as like a white person who considers herself an ally in the sense that it's not like a noun, it's a verb and it needs to be a muscle to be exercised. 
I found myself very upset and frustrated and angry at the thought that Bravo is choosing to truly not deploy actual resources and not hold people to account. Like, they dangle carrots after days of inaction and silence, like the Black Lives Matter Instagram Live, which they specifically put on Instagram and not on network TV. They have Andy do these Watch What Happens episodes where he asks questions that, I mean, I want to get your thoughts. They feel to me like they're written by a white person who's like Googling what do you ask when you want to talk about black, like, tell me about a situation in which you experience racism as a child and then is put into place by his guests who are black who are saying like that we're, we don't want to talk about the past. We want to talk about like how racism is affecting our lives now. Like it's enough to educate, like where's the action. And I found myself wondering like, where is Bravo's action in all of this? It feels like they are very focused on showing the dimmest of lights framed against the idea of like, racism with a capital R is this thing that happens and we don't believe in it but we're also not actually interested in having the kind of conversation that would really count and that's where I slightly lose my mind well I think that your reaction is valid and those reactions are necessary to make television stations and corporations like Bravo actually say something is that you Mm -hmm. need some um, angry white people who have become disillusioned like, for myself, I wouldn't expect Bravo to do anything, so it didn't upset me when they didn't. But I think other people had a different um, reaction to the silence, because it's like, well, why aren't you saying anything? You have all these Black women who have propped up your your shows and have, you know, really made the money for this network, and you're not saying anything, and that's wrong. And, like, I agree, and I also expected it. It's, it's a fake. Um at the end of the day, Bravo wants to make money. And yes, they have, you know, the Real House of Atlanta, which has been the top performer for years and like bringing in the most rating, the most ad revenue. But they have a lot of other shows that a lot of white people watch who do not want politics in their face. You can go to any comment message board on Facebook or reality TV, and you can see these comments from these Republican white women who also prop up Bravo. So yeah, you have this singular franchise of Atlanta that brings in the most ratings by itself. But when you add up the ratings of all those other shows, Bravo's not going to jeopardize that viewership by sticking its neck out for one show, so to speak. And my thought is, I don't know if it's, it's definitely related to me and just living in a world of white privilege, I just assumed that they would do the right thing. No, no, never assume that a corporation will do the right thing. If the goal of the corporation is to make money, then the procedures of the corporation are to always do the wrong thing because you do not make money under this system by doing the right thing. That's just not how it works most of the time, especially in entertainment. I mean, and I hear you and I get that. I just think of my relationship with Bravo... I think about it, I don't know, I think about it truly as more of like a community first. And I think that's where I've gone a little bit wrong just in my thinking. But your community is based on viewers. It's like you have built this community of viewers that has nothing to do with the community of executives. And that is what I learned. And so like even in the ending of the Black Lives Matter Bravo app, I started thinking about it uh, because as you've experienced, this is all off the cuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and really getting to the point of understanding that it's not to me a matter, and this is just my personal opinion, it's not a matter to me of like boycotting these shows that have helped me for so long and have been my uh, chosen escape and that I'm so interested and invested in and these women that I'm so interested and invested in. It's just understanding and breaking down the idea that I used to look at Bravo with a capital B the company as encompassing all of this, both the community and the product. Mm -hmm. And now I just understand that I can pull that out a little bit so I can still appreciate and love these shows and also understand and appreciate the fact that I don't agree with what the network has done, but it doesn't mean that I necessarily love the shows any less. I'm just kind of watching them a little bit differently than I was before. Yeah. And that's fair. Um, I think I have, I, I may have come to that realization before you did. Like, I've always... <laughs> yeah, that feels about right. That right, like, right. Um, because you have to. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no To me, there's no way to watch uh, Bravo as a Black person and be 100% invested. There has to be some little bit of separation just because you have to suspend, you know, belief a little bit to watch them. Like, to watch New York City and there's no Black people ever there. It's like... All right, well, we'll just suspend belief so we can enter this fantasy land where everyone is white and everyone lives in the same neighborhood and, you know, all of that. Um, but also, that is their reality. Like, I know there's a, a question about rewarding racism, sort of. Like, why aren't you betting these people that you're having on the show? These are terrible people. And then they say terrible things and they need to be fired. Like, Kelly Dodd is the worst person in the world and she needs to be fired. Why are we giving her a platform? Da, 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 da. Um, and I agree with everything. And I also have a little side voice that I never really had the conversation out loud, but I'm on a podcast, so we can have it out loud. It's like, that is reality. You know, reality isn't just a bunch of liberal women saying the right thing. Some of them are conservative shitbags. And when you, so yeah, you're giving someone like Kelly Dodd a platform because she's on a television show. But if she wasn't on this television show, it's not the real housewives anymore. It's a selected, you know, view of this portion of people that we want to show on TV. Um, and we all know that housewives is already kind of a heightened reality situation. So do we want to, you know, take the believability down even further and not show terrible people? And I think when you have those terrible people like Kelly Dodd and like the Vanderpump Rules girls, um, yeah, you can take them off of television and then they don't get any more, uh, like they don't have any opportunities and money is taken down. But also when you have them on, they can face the consequences of their actions. It's like, I'm going to see all this terrible stuff. Where are the people around them on the shows to call them out on it? That should be the, that's the portion that I miss from Bravo. Like, I don't necessarily want every terrible person to be fired. I want them to have their comeuppance on screen. I want them to have other people around them to have those conversations and be like, hey, you said a bad thing. You're a terrible person. I'm going to shame you for this as opposed to, well, now the show's been off for a couple of months and now they won't be coming back at the end and they just go in their own little bracelet bubble with the money that they've collected. I hear you. I just feel like Bravo's not great at delivering comeuppance. Like, it's look not. at what I wish happened it with was. Leanne. Right. Right. I wish it was. I, but I what happened with happened Leanne with... is because 
everybody around her, like there, she had nobody around her to call her out on it during the show. You know, like if she had said that on a different franchise, there wouldn't have been five other white Republican women to just kind of look the other way and not say anything until they realized like, oh wait, that was recorded. I should probably say something to save my image. Like they were all about saving their image as opposed to actually giving her comeuppance because of the people who were cast. And so like, it's not like we just, like if Leanne isn't there, it's not like racism is gone from the Real Housewives of Dallas, it's just that racism isn't loud on the Real, House, on the Real Housewives of Dallas. So her being on the show or not doesn't have anything to do with showing people that it's shameful to say what she said <laughs> because there was nobody on the show to tell her it was shameful to say what she said until the reunion where everyone was like, oh, well, I should probably say <laughs> Yeah, like here's an empty chair. Let's right. like Right, and, and from Brandy, of all fuck. people, from Brandy. Yeah. Like, okay, empty chair Brandy. Yeah, I really <laughs> feel like this is a genuine action to make Leanne feel like a bad person. Like, she could have sat in that chair herself. So. Yeah, I feel like there are many people who should take a seat. I mean, and that's like you, I look at Pump Rules, for example, which has obviously been in the news in the last week. And, you know, in the we're recording this now. Uh, an hour or two ago, it was announced, we're recording this Saturday afternoon, an hour or two, it was announced that Stassi's pregnant, which is a wonderful announcement that was preceded by just a, a, a random celebrity picture sighting of Stassi in full makeup, holding, hold, caressing her fiancé, Bo, as they step out into the world. S magically, the Daily Mail was there to take part. I mean, because she hired Steve Honig, who represents right. several housewives. She needs to change her image. And so magically they were photographed outside looking great. And then now she's magically pregnant, which she, I, you know, mazel tov. The, the, the kids, I just said this on Instagram, like the kids' first words are going to be timing is everything. Because right. there is a reason this is being announced like 36 hours after they hired someone in strategic communications and in essentially like picking up the shit and trying to compost accordingly. And so she's doing this to detract attention and try to create a new narrative. And people are kind of allowing her to do that because they're shifting focus. Like the Us Magazine exclusive, um, the headline of Stassi's Pregnant said like Vanderpump Rules alum, Stassi Schroeder, instead of like woman who was fired for being a racist fuck. And right. I look at Pump Rules and it's like there's nobody really on that show who's holding people accountable aside from Ariana and Tom Sandoval, who are the power couple in terms of like seemingly being the most progressive, modern. Ariana's spoken publicly about being bisexual, about not being interested necessarily in getting married, not being interested in having kids. And they've held their cast members to account and their cast members have responded with a lot of anger and have tried to like gaslight and spin conversations saying, you shouldn't be talking to me about this on camera. How dare you? Instead of, wow, this is a conversation that actually should be on camera because and who that's knows what, how many and people's that, opinions and are And Bravo allowed that. And that is, you know, so yeah, Bravo can fire these two because of the outrage. And, you know, they wouldn't have been fired if people weren't upset. You know, like mm -hmm. Bravo had no interest in firing. So, yeah, they can make this sort of gesture. It's like, all right, well, people are upset, so we're going to fire them. But the opportunities to have these conversations on camera were there, and other cast members have shot them down. That shouldn't be allowed. 
You know, like if Bravo was really interested in showing reality or showing these people get their comeuppance or like showing these certain conversations and they would tell their cast members like, no, you have to talk about it on screen. And that's where I feel like I lose track of it a little bit because the Kelly Dodd argument, maybe not for Kelly in my personal opinion, because she's crossed the line for me into like this is a fireable offense. The stuff she said on Instagram about Corona being like a demo, Democrat led uh, mirage mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, uh, protesters, Black Lives Matter protests are animals and whatever the f- terrorists, whatever the fuck else. I think those are both fireable, fireable offenses in and of themselves. And I don't necessarily need to see her get her comeuppance. I'm okay with her no longer being on TV. I think she's mm-hmm. like an incredibly toxic, horrible person who we shouldn't. I, I have no interest in allowing her space on my like DVR to get into it. But with other Bravo celebrities and people where I would be interested in maybe potentially seeing a conversation or conflict, my hope or assumption would be that there is an actual conversation taking place. And it seems like a lot of people are shying away from this because they are scared. They're scared about their fan bases thinking that they're taking a side where to me, it's like, is there a side to take? Like when you get through it at the end of the day, I don't know. So I, no? I look at it from... no is my answer. Well, yeah. I look at it from two sides because, you know, I grew up on reality TV. I grew up watching the real world. Mm-hmm. And the goal there was to have different kinds of people so mm-hmm. they could have these conversations mm-hmm. and that would create conflict. Some of them were terrible people, mm-hmm. but they were necessary for the show. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, you had Puck, who was a terrible person, but we still talk oh! about it. We still talk about it 20 years later, right. how brave Pedro was to come out oh and like try God. to have these conversations and what a dick Puck was for sticking his fingers into the peanut butter. You know, we still talk about this 20 years later oh. um, because we got to see them on television. So my thing with Housewives is, you know, I haven't decided. I have not decided which side of this I want to fall on, but there are two ways I think you can approach Housewives. Either you can approach it the way it is, which is, these are women who are loosely connected to each other, which means they will be mostly homogenous in thought. They will mostly yeah. look like each other. Because, yeah, you can say New York is the most diverse city in the world, but those friend groups aren't. You go, I mean, you live in the Upper East Side. You see these groups of just white women walking around because most yeah. white people only have white friends. Like, that mm-hmm. is an actual thing. Um, so you can keep it like it is. and like, you know what? These are people who are either friends or like socially connected and da da da, da And you're going to end up with a cast like Dallas where everybody is a conservative and nobody's going to want to call out the worst conservative of all of them. Not even the worst, just the loudest one. The one who can't filter herself on camera. Because I guarantee you these other women have said worse off camera. It's just that Leanne said it on camera. So now we all have to talk about it. So you can keep it that way or... You can force housewives into a real world type of scenario where you put women in these groups who maybe aren't as connected. So it's not, you know, a group of friends and, you know, loose acquaintances. It's the cross section of the people who live in these communities. And I think that's kind of what people are leaning towards without admitting it. Because when you start firing all the bad people off of the show, then you're admitting that you want the show to be more forced. You don't want it to be an organic sort of grouping of, you know, rich women who run together. You want it to be 
more as a cross-section of what the world looks like, which is not what these little groups look like. And yet there are so many, I totally agree with you, and yet there are so many viewers, you know, the all lives matter ladies of it all, who say, I don't want to hear any of this on television. I look at Bravo is an escape, and the counter is there's really no escape, right? Because this is yeah, life. There, exactly. Um, so there, there is an escape for these women on this show. These women on the show don't have to talk about it. Right. So it, so if that is the show that you want to watch, and that is the show that you are watching, you are watching a show where women have the privilege not to have these conversations. Um, and so there are a lot of fans of these franchises and it's mostly, you know, OC fans and Beverly Hills fans. It's like fans, more conservative fans who are like, I don't want this, these politics in my like don't talk about it and it's because it makes them uncomfortable because they don't ever have to have those conversations so they don't want to talk about it um and that's fair because i use bravo as an escape too i would still watch the difference is i would still watch bravo if it was more political just because my life is and it would be more reflective of my life i can find a million other ways to escape my life i don't have to watch bravo to escape my life i can watch anime to escape my life I can watch all these other things. So Bravo has to sort of make that decision for themselves. It's like, which half of our viewership do we want to lose? We can either lose the half that doesn't want politics in their face by making it more political, or we can lose the half that wants Bravo to speak out and have these conversations on television. And I think Bravo knows that most of us that watch the show and are talking about this and want them to have these conversations on television, we're still going to watch if they don't happen. I think Bravo knows that the majority of us listening to this podcast and complaining about the little that Bravo has done, we're still going to watch the next season. Whereas those people who don't want politics in their face will actually go watch Death Guy next year, something else. And I think they're smart enough to know that. And again, this is like totally my, my privilege because I'm like, but no, <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> but but you will absolutely, like no matter what Bravo does, like if Bravo does zero, I mean, they've done the minimum already and they were doing the minimum and you were still going to watch the next season. Well, I will say this. I didn't watch for a week or almost Ooh. two weeks. I <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh my God. They knew you'd be back. It's like when people boycott gas stations for a day. It's like, we're going to boycott gas stations today. I was like, okay, but you're going to go tomorrow to fill your tank. Like, they didn't lose any money. So, yeah, you yeah. took a little break and then caught up on the episode. I took a little break. And during that break, I, like, continued to do podcast work, which is all centered around Bravo. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, I'm not going to give you free advertising. Right. So, here's some more. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, it's. And I think they know that we're not going anywhere. Yeah, there may be a little bit of viewer attrition because you're like, you know, I fed up. I hit my last straw. You know, like this is the straw that broke the camel's back. And there'll be some of that, but they will lose more viewers if they were as political as some of these other stations have started to be. Because, you know, like Oprah's special is going to air on like seven different networks at the same time. Like and every station owned by Discovery right. and any station that's ever heard the word Discovery is discovering it's, it now. It's, yeah. yeah, it's showing Oprah. And that's because Oprah makes them a lot of money. And she made that decision herself. It's like, we're going to do this. Because she probably told them, well, we're going to do this stuff or I'm taking my shows elsewhere. Like she probably said that and she had the power to do so. 
I, my guess is that it probably didn't even have to get to that point. She, right. It was like, ring, ring, it's Oprah, whatever you want. Exactly. Madame, my queen. Exactly. And so Andy, Andy has that power to do that. But also, it's like, why would he? Like, from where he's sitting, why would he? Well, you know, Andy does know the power of his platform. And I was so inspired by what he said online yesterday during this time of, you know, as we said, um, and as I said to my psychiatrist 20 minutes ago, the biggest civil unrest in my generation. And mm. I am, in fact, quite young. Um, and I was really impressed by what he put on social media on the main part of his Instagram page, noting he didn't unfortunately have capacity to do this with the Amplify Black Voices Instagram Live. But I thought Andy Cohen, truthsayer, man on a mission to make sure all voices are heard, announced his partnership with Stella Artois to narrate Daydreaming in the Life Artois, a series of audio stories that lets you visit another world, even if for just a few moments. And he announced literally yesterday, while the world is on fire, a wonderful example of SpawnCon, the first episode being Disco Ball. I, will, I listened to 20 seconds of it and I couldn't stop laughing, which is actually not a critique or an insult. I just wasn't ex expecting what I what I got and I was like I got it I got the magic at the moment but it's so interesting when you hear about people's platforms and doing the bare minimum and I never thought that the barest of minimums would be what I would be continually surprised by Aww. when seeing I know I'm, sa I'm sad that you're so disappointed in all of these <laughs> I don't know why you decided these were good people because I mean, I think I like had the expectation based on my experiences. And see, I had the, the expectations based on my experiences. So that's what see, we come to it from completely different places. Like you expected right. them to be better. I expected them to do the bare minimum, which they did. So I'm at peace. And I also feel I am not at peace, which is very good. I feel right. like this is, is a really good learning lesson for a lot of people who consider them progressive um uh folks and andy himself is in, is included and also you know i was talking to dr k right before we recorded mm -hmm. about my frustration about all things bravo and her response was like why are you expecting them to be like better in a way that you don't necessarily see existing elsewhere like there yeah are exactly other i said that, that to right. you you didn't pay me a hundred dollars um i where's am actually my, supposed to pay her, my I'm money pay her 130 <laughs> yeah and where's coming, mine dr k <laughs> like, it's coming any day now i said the same thing for free <laughs> I mean, MD over here ph exactly um and so my response was like, because they have to, and because other companies are doing that, like the Nickelodeon of it all, the like Sesame right. Street, the children are learning, but the adults are not. And her response is like, well, when you look at people, it's not, we are, we could be bigots. We could be racists. We could be, um, have terrible aspects of our lives. And the complicated thing about understanding life is understanding that we're also more than that. Like, it's not that easy to just say that this is, 
like a thing that is bad and it is only bad. She's like, look at Bravo. Like you don't like the way that they're responding. You don't think they're stepping up, but you also get a lot of joy from from watching these shows. So you have to understand that it's coming out of the same vessel. Like when we talk about the community, that's a different conversation. The community is comprised. It's maybe harnessed or rewarded by the network, but it's really in fact a self-sustaining machine that's comprised of Bravo holics, Bravo viewers, podcast listeners, whomever else. When it comes to like understanding the mechanics of the network, it's too easy for me to just say like, go fuck yourself it it's harder but probably better to understand that like this thing that's doing stuff that I consider bad or is being complicit or, or whatever else isn't stepping up is also supplying me with a lot of what I consider good like in mm-hmm. this escapism it's understanding that like the producer of the product sure isn't stepping up to the plate and that's not all there is to know about them I guess it's just my current primary focus yeah um and I think that you will get through it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that's the best way I can say it. I think you will get through it and it'll be fine. And you can maybe not watch Bravo guilt-free, but like yeah. watch Bravo and compartmentalize better. Yeah, I think I don't think that's the worst thing. No, I think it'd be fine. <laughs> Did you... <laughs> Did you watch the the special Watch What Happens Lives? I did. And I wanted to ask you, like, do you think that happened because of the pressure that was put on them from the community about that Instagram Live? Do you think they put that on TV because they did not do it correctly in the beginning? I think that I don't think it was like directly related to like the letter that we produced. I mm-hmm. think the announcement and the timing around that Watch What Happens Live airing may have resulted from the fact that they were feeling pressure by like many accounts that represented like many, many hundreds of thousands of Bravo viewers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if they had felt really any pressure from the Amplify Black Voices Instagram Live, the demands that so many thousands of people have said of putting this on network TV, they wouldn't have announced a second Amplify Black Voices Instagram Live that's happening this coming week that will also be on Instagram exclusively itself. Um, I think they are now putting this stuff on Bravo TV, but it's still not the same thing for a TV network. So do I think that I don't know how much of the pressure of it that they're listening to is coming from audience reaction, viewer reaction and anger about how they're not stepping up versus the women themselves. But I find it really, really fascinating that like Candace, for example, has been one of the most vocal critics and members of Bravo, current Bravo talent, who has really taken them to task and said like, and you can look at what she's posted on Instagram on their comments and, um, and tweeted as well and has essentially said like, you know, let's pretend you fired these people from pump rules. What you did was said they were going to be let go. So you never even said that they were fired. It's that's what other um, articles and press outlets um, picked up, but building more on that, it's not enough to say that you, that someone is being let go because of racist behavior when you're not actually saying that's taken place and you're doing everyone a disservice by not speaking out and explicitly saying that, Black Lives Matter, and this is what we're actively doing about it. They're both hiding, as to what you're saying, they don't want to alienate 
one side or the other. So they're sort of alienating both. Mm-hmm. They're upsetting like the Khaleesi, which is what Stasi fans call themselves. They're um, alienating themselves from the Stasi fans of it all by um, ending her contract. But they're also not saying why they're doing that. And what's interesting to me is, you know, Candace is one of a few um, Bravo celebrities who's taken a stand who is herself a black woman. And it's fascinating to me that there have been a number of people liking her comments, retweeting them, um, responding them to, to them and saying, I wholeheartedly agree. And Bravo hasn't responded to it once. And my thought is like, so are the only black voices that you're interested in amplifying the ones in which you don't think you're necessarily going to face a firm critique and have to like answer like yeah. Bravo's not asking in any of these conversations, nor is Andy like, what can I do to be better? It's the women themselves raising that it's candy saying during that Instagram live, I wish this was on TV. It's the women talking about some sort of project that they're going to be releasing. That's being spearheaded by the Atlanta housewives. It's, it's people saying like, well, it looks like we're going to have to do the work yet again, but it doesn't seem like Bravo is actually interested in having like the most honest parts of these conversations, which is well, what is so disturbing to me. Well, because they wouldn't be. I mean, this is what we talked about earlier. It's like, why would Bravo knows what their viewership looks like? Bravo has the numbers on the demographic breakdown. I mean, it's, yeah, we can sit and like hypothesize about it, but Bravo has real numbers on who watches what and how many right. people watch what. And they are a business at the end of the day. They are going to protect their biggest bottom line. So if Bravo is not giving a platform to people who would be having these difficult conversations with Bravo, it's because Bravo knows that the viewers who would be most upset hearing it would be the most likely to stop watching or must make up a higher percentage than the people who would stop watching because they didn't hear it. You know, it's like the people who are retweeting Candace and, you know, saying, you know, agreeing with her and liking her comments and things like that must be a smaller portion of the viewership than the viewers they would turn off if they had her on there to criticize them. Which makes me think that, people need to continue to make sure their voices are heard because the only weapon we have at our disposal is making a lot of fucking noise. And if we can do it, that's where the letter I hope was impactful in some way. That's where talking about the fact that Kelly Dodd really should be fired next, that it's not just enough that you're doing these things and yet there's still a better way to do them. And we can't stop talking about it regardless of how the network decides to utilize their own voice. Right? No, that's exactly, that's the only way that you would make the change that you want to see. If the change that you want to see in Bravo is a sort of restructuring or how they build their shows and how they uh, vet, their cast members and how they do backgrounds on them. If what you're aiming for is a change in seeing that, then you have to be vocal enough for them to hear you and think that you would not watch the shows anymore because it's all about the viewership at the bottom line. If they feel like, oh, I'm complaining about this because this is the trend right now to amplify Black voices and complain about things that look a little shifty because we're doing this call out culture right now in a really big way, you know, Bon Appetit and we're doing Mm -hmm. Vogue and we're doing all these Mm -hmm. things and Bravo is part of it. So yes, we are doing it, 
But if these media companies don't think it's a sustained effort, then they have no reason to pay attention because right now it's just trendy. So if you are going to want to see those kinds of changes, then you have to make it clear to these companies that we are not going to stop. And that the most important thing isn't to say the fire Kelly dot of it all or what's more important or interesting to me, the actual idea of amplifying black voices. You don't just say that for a weekend and then go back to doing whatever the fuck. Like what's most important is like if we're going to talk about um, the peak when we like think about coronavirus, like we need to make sure that we are. Uh, continuing to make our peak rise, if that makes any sense. Like there, it, it doesn't. You now is not the time to shut the fuck up. Like right. now is the time to continue using our voices, and hopefully, regardless of whether or not they listen, at least we'll be heard. Exactly, and I think you just have to be very clear. Like if Kelly Dot is on my screen, I'm not watching this show. Like if it's important enough to you that she has to be fired because she is a despicable person, then everyone who is upset about it has to be very clear. Is I, I am not watching this show if Kelly Dodd isn't on my screen. And let me just say to the thousands of AGs who are listening right now, because um, this is something that I've thought about, I've never missed an episode of any franchise of Housewives ever. I've seen every episode of every franchise at least twice, which is a conservative number. If Kelly Dodd is on Housewives next season, next season of Orange County, I think it's season 15, that might be wrong, will be the first season that I refuse to watch. I'm not going to watch a franchise where a woman calls Black Lives Matter protesters who are begging for their lives animals and terrorists and saying that coronavirus is a fun parlor game being that was created and is being played right. by MSNBC and that this is all fake news. I think that's disturbing and despicable. She she absolutely deserves to lose her job and anything less than that is not enough to get me to watch. And so that is my uh, oral contract to you guys as Andy's girls. I won't do it. I'm not going to do it. And that's where we are. So if you're if you want to join me in that you are welcome to maybe we'll do something else on <laughs> do a do a little petition circulate a petition start it see what happens yeah. we're like we these people who are signing agree that we are not watching real housewives of oc if kelly dodd is on our screen like that's it we're done with it and i actually do think I wouldn't have said this a week ago, but in the last couple days, and especially with this Stasi Mishigas, I actually do think that maybe they're really, truly being forced into a corner where they're really thinking about what next season would look like without her. Because as you said, again, this is a business decision. They're looking at the both sides of it all. They're doing mm -hmm. all the shit that I hate, but that is uh, uh, reasonable to expect from a large corporation um, regardless of whether or not I think it's um, a good thing to do. And I think that is something that it's more realistic now than it was, I would say, a week ago. Yeah, it has I to think. be. Um, and then also, you know, they make these decisions by each individual show. The people who watch mm -hmm. Vanderpump Rules as a viewership mm -hmm. are going to be more liberal than the fan base for the Real Housewives of Orange mm -hmm. County. So mm -hmm. keeping those two on the show is more of a risk that you lose viewers because more of your viewers of that show are upset about them. So they are going to look at the Real Houses of Orange County and like, hey, our viewership looks like this. There are going to be people who are upset if we fire Kelly because they're going to be, oh, you're caving into the liberals and you're caving into PC culture and we love Kelly because she's so outspoken. And a lot of them agree with her. 
They may not say so out loud, but they agree with her. Um, so they're going to see those viewers who would stop watching the show because they would feel like Bravo came against the viewers who would stop watching the show if she's on there. So it's just a, it's a numbers game. Like, how many viewers are they going to lose? Would they lose more by keeping her or lose more by firing her? And that is how they will make their decision. And, guys, if we tell them that they're going to lose us at least one of <laughs> seven exactly. days a week, that is progress, you guys. Exactly. Um, what were your thoughts on the watch what happens yada yada i i um i wasn't as bothered by the questions okay. because that show wasn't for me i don't like it was for white people to watch so those are questions that white people would want to have answered it's not for me who has answers to those questions so it, it wasn't like i was looking at it for some greater understanding or for anything like that, I think that was an opportunity for white people to look at it and gain some greater understanding. And yeah, it was very superficial understanding, but a lot of white people don't know that we know what racism is at six. So, you know, a lot of people who may have watched Watch What, watch what Happens Live, um, they had no idea that we get taught these things so early while they're still trying to shelter their kids at 11 and 12. It's like when a 12 or 13 year old is on TikTok and doing something really racist, and then all, you know, their white parents are like, oh, she's just a kid, and then I was like, well, I was just a kid at seven the first time I got, you know, uh, not restrained by a security guard because he thought I stole something. You know, like we have to learn about racism Wait, a did lot that earlier. happen? Oh yeah, it was Kmart. Um, I was leaving Kmart at the same time, because my we're from a very rural area, and sometimes your mom just like idles the car in front of the store and sends you in the store to go get something. So I was like seven or eight, and she sent me into Kmart to go get something. I don't even remember what it was now, but I was leaving, and this white woman was leaving at the same time, and the door theft sensors went off, <gasps> and security guard told her, was like, oh, you know, go ahead, have a nice day, ma'am, and just assumed that I had stolen something. And then took me down to the security office, and they what? were telling me that I stole something eight years old, and my mom realized I had been gone too long, and she came in and got me. And that was my first brush with law enforcement at eight because a white woman stole something. So when white people have to protect their kids from these things for so, oh, he's just a kid. He's 12, 13, but he's just a kid. I'm like, well, I was just a kid at eight. <laughs> so a lot of black people have these stories. And then when Portia told her, it's about getting rocks thrown at her. That oh was the first God, time that a lot so of white people had heard it. Yeah. I enjoy watching Portia come into her own. It's not something I expected because, you know, her first season, she was looking for the train depot underground for the Underground Railroad and years only had 265 days. So, you know, she came on and part of that is editing. And I think that the editors are edit her better and better as the years go on because she gets mm -hmm. more and more popular. It's not mm -hmm. like Portia just woke up today and figured out what racism is. It's not like she, you know, she just had some slip up when she talked. Right. Which made it into the show because the character that was painted for her is like a sheltered housewife who doesn't know much. And now the image that they're painting for her is more of like an outspoken, speak your mind, central figure of the show. And when you are that person, then you get to have a platform like Watch What Happens Live to talk about what you've been doing for the movement. Meanwhile, Nini, who went on Instagram, and I please, I agree with everything you're saying. Nini, who had a lot to say on Twitter and Instagram about 
interesting, like in re- in response to Stasi's firing, or as Bravo would call it, being let go, um, or not return. Uh, Stasi, uh, uh, sorry, Nini was like, "Oh, this is interesting. Shall we talk about this, like publicly or privately?" When it comes to these little um, mini steps forward or to to the side, whatever that Bravo is taking. Then she said some shit on Twitter about. Um, there are only a few people being asked to speak their mind and essentially why am I not one of them? Then she goes on Instagram live with like, I don't know. I don't know who, who she was talking to. Huh? I don't know who she was talking to. You talking about the, where she's being ganged up for on comment. Yeah. I think, I think some of this is honestly, it's like the reaction. I understand, but the reason she's saying it, I feel like is equal parts anger at Bravo and candy uh, specifically. And that's where it gets muddled for me. Like she has the right to say that these people that have been picked to, to go and watch what happens live don't necessarily represent her voice. She has the right to say that. But also I feel like a lot of the reason she's saying that is because there's this very strange drawn out feud between like Nini and her mirror where she's angry at Candy for being successful and popular with a lot of spinoffs. But the reason that Candy is successful and popular with a lot of spinoffs is because Candy is successful and popular with a lot of spinoffs. You know, like you can't like if you, you know, sure, you can say that you're not Candy and deserve your own voice. Absolutely. But like you're also Candy and have your own voice. You know what I'm saying? Like it's been slightly awkward. Nini will always have a feud with her. Um, and it doesn't even have to be based in anything. It's based in jealousy, but I don't yeah. think she recognizes it jealousy. But you look at all the things that Candy Candy is good at. Candy is good at writing music. Candy is good at starting businesses, at running a restaurant. She just won the mass singer. She did really well on, you know, celebrity Big Brother, is that what it was? That she oh, was yeah. Did she win or she came no, in No, Tamar won, but she made she it really far. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't yeah. watch the show. I don't, I don't know. But it's like, here's all these things. Here are all these <laughs> yeah, things that Candy that. is yeah. good at, right? And then she comes on to Housewives. She doesn't need Housewives to be successful. She's good right. at all these other things, but she's also good enough at Housewives to where she's getting spinoffs. And then you look at Nini. Nini is good at one thing. She is good at Housewives. So here's this thing. For Nini, it's like, oh, I'm really good at this thing. I'm only good at this one thing. Here's this girl who's good at all these other things coming in to take the one thing that I'm good at. It's like, why is it like this girl doesn't even need it? She has all this other stuff that she could be doing, but she's coming in and she's getting the benefit that I think I should get because I'm only good at this one thing mm-hmm. while she doesn't even need it. And I don't think Nini would ever admit that to herself because, you know, her pride and ego. But somewhere deep down, Nini knows she is only good at Housewives. And honestly, she's not even that good at it anymore. She was really, really good at Housewives during some very formative building block years. She had three or four, maybe five really good seasons where she was the best thing on Bravo. And she has carried that through. It's like, well, I'm still the best thing on Bravo. And this is the only thing that I'm good at. So, you know, she's a little bit territorial and sort of flailing around at anybody who threatens to take attention away from her. 
And how good is she at Housewives if on part three of the reunion she storms off, shuts her computer, and then only allows herself to be seen or heard through the vessel of Portia's cell phone where she just says repeatedly, like, you guys aren't respecting me and I have nothing else to say. But obviously I do have something else to say because I'm calling Portia when I know that the show is still recording, but I refuse to allow uh, my presence to be seen or, like, literally heard which isn't a great move i don't see no, candy she's ever not, doing that she's Nini's not, not smart good at it in that yeah. way nini's not good at housewives anymore she thinks she is she thinks she's better at it than she really is so she thinks she can pull these stunts um because she's so important like she won't be punished I'm like all right you pull a stunt you don't get to get the first three up you know like stuff like yeah. that and she hasn't realized that uh her actions have consequences yet because they don't really have huge consequences because for Nini even though we can sit here and say she's not good at it um she's not as good as she was years ago she's still seen by a lot of watchers casual watchers um and the women on the show as the central figure of the show so everybody reacts to her Mm -hmm. and that's the only thing that makes her relevant and makes her good tv is because she was important enough for so long that everybody still reacts to her um Mm -hmm. even though they don't really need to to make the show work i think if all the women realized that they don't need her to make the show work they would have a much better time because she left and it was fine (laughs) (laughs) and everything like you don't need we've got kenya back like twirls on you don't need you don't actually need nini on the show and so if, if everybody realizes that then i think she would be a better cast member because she'd be less of a diva like, the reason she acts like that is because she thinks she has to punish Um, What do you think about Portia aligning herself back up with Nini when, you know, through their separation, Portia has amassed seemingly so much more power than ever before? Because that's her friend. And, like, you... Some things on Housewives you can explain based on, oh, this is show and this is you know whatever but these are still real women with real lives and that is still a real friendship um that her aligning with Nini, i don't think has anything to do with her power on the show it's just this is my friend and that's all i mean Nini went on an instagram live with glamour south africa and she said two things that i thought were something One was the interviewer was asking her about Portia and said something along the lines of like, Portia's a fan favorite. And Nini's gut, guttural reaction response was like, I don't know that she's the fan favorite. Like, I'm not going to give that to her. But I think she's grown, which to me was an indicator that like Nini can't even give her pal the respect of admitting that Portia is seen in a more favorable manner than Nini herself. That doesn't have anything to do with Portia, though, that has everything to do with Nini. Of course. Yeah, like, but I don't think that has, I don't think that is a reflection on their friendship or anything like that. It's just Mm -hmm. all like Nini is incapable of believing that anyone has a bigger spotlight than she does. Like, Nini will never believe that anybody on the show is more popular than she is, ever, including her best friend. And also that there's no one in the existence of the show or even her franchise that's been more maligned. I mean, there was a point later on where she compared herself to George Floyd and talking about how bullying works physically and emotionally. And that was maybe a low point. Well, it's also like Nini can sit and wonder why 
you know, Bravo doesn't want to amplify her voice when she says dumb things. It's like the reason that we get to hear from Candy and we get to hear from Portia is because they don't have these gaps. They don't have such victim complexes and such huge egos that would allow them to make a comparison like that. Like, I don't want to hear from Nini or anything she has to say about civil rights because she says stuff like that. I want to hear from Portia because she says stuff like what she said on Watch What Happens Live. Like, she says, I put myself into the battle. I put myself out there on the streets. I got tear gas because how am I going to encourage other people to do that when I don't know what it feels like? You know, like, she put her presence and her body on the line, and she has intelligent things to say, while Nini says everybody gangs up on me like George Floyd. Like, that's why you don't get a platform, Nini, because your ego is bigger than the movement. Portia doesn't have an ego in the movement. She's out there getting, you know, milk to rinse tear gas out of her. She, like, literally has no ego in this. No, she it has It is pure none. mission. It's unbelievable to watch. It's actually one of the, like, most staggeringly impactful things I've ever seen someone do as far as harnessing the power of their own... platform and their exactly. social media. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to show, yeah, she's going to be on the ground fighting. And I think that is also, you know, when I think about watching Bravo and stuff like that, I was like, I wouldn't be seeing a celebrity because Force is a celebrity. I wouldn't be seeing a celebrity on television talking about being tear gassed if Bravo had made her into one and then gave her space to say something. So, yeah, I'm, you know, watching Bravo is kind of conflicting and you feel like, oh, you have these bad people on the show and blah, 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 blah. But you also have good people on the show like that who are using their platform that has been given to them. And it's like, all right, well, now I have this spotlight on me that was given to me by Bravo. How am I going to use it? And that is how you use it effectively. Yeah, they're using it well. And they deserve the credit for that. And I guess, I don't know, I guess I could credit the network for asking them on or whatever. <laughs> it's really been driven by the women themselves. I mean, like, let's right. give credit where it's due. It should be aimed directly at Portia and Candy. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, I thought this special was fine. I thought, um, I like that uh, Kamal Bell did give a lot of space for Portia mm-hmm. to talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because the word... What Portia had to say would carry more weight on the station that employs her. You know, to a lot of the viewers who aren't me, you know, they wouldn't even know who W. Kamau Bell was. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything he had to say, yeah, it's very enlightening. Thank you very much. But you are still just a random black man talking to me. Portia is a familiar black woman that they feel like they sort of know. So him talking about, uh, you know, being taken out of a restaurant or being banned from a restaurant because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody thought he was bothering his wife and child because his wife is white. That is a situation, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of white people thought, oh, that's that. But Portia talking, Portia's a person they relate to. Portia's a person that is in their home every day. So Portia talking about it, I hope, but I would imagine that it would affect the viewers more. Portia talking about, we watched PJ be born, and Portia talking about what is she going to say to her young child about Mm -hmm. what did mommy do in this time of great strife and chaos, that is incredibly impactful. Candy talking about Ace, another Bambino who Mm -hmm. we have seen throughout his entire life, four years old, and a frankly an Instagram superstar who are we kidding but like four years old who we know so well talking about like you know dressing up as a police officer for career day and then asking Todd you know does that mean are cops bad like that's that 
we understand that because we've experienced these people in their lives. They've allowed us to experience them every week on Atlanta and they're still allowing us to experience and you know the exchange of material goods right now I think is really based on empathy like you love this person you love watching them you can't turn away now like you know these people you have an invested interest in their life by reason of like watching and following them for so long for so many years there's another story that's being told, you know, like that's mm-hmm. what really kind of gets to me quite a bit. Um, I, I think the only thing that would be more impactful, but it's completely impossible because they don't have the roster for it, would be to have white people participate in these conversations. And I think because of what Housewives is, they don't have any. There is no white woman who could sit there and have a conversation with Portia about it. Um, at all like from any franchise like there are no there are no white women we could put up there with her to talk about this and those are you know a lot of viewers would listen to that more but there are a lot of white women who don't even watch Atlanta or Potomac and we don't have any white women on these other shows that you could put up there to actually teach them because at the end of the day it's still two black people trying to teach a country about racism and we're tired. It shouldn't be up to black people all the time to keep teaching the same lessons. It's like what um, what Bell said on the show. It's like, no, I'm not excited that this is happening or the conversations are happening. It's like, yeah, good, but it's a continuing conversation from last time. We're excited about action, and we're tired of having the conversation over and over. And that's kind of what Bravo has done is sort of left it up to their black stars to carry all the way because they never hired any white ones who could. And what the fuck is up with that? I mean, that is the, I mean, the only housewife who seems even interested in understanding, I would say, is Bronwyn on, on of all places, Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe Leah, who I know has had a difficult, and complicated Leah, past. Like, right. It's like, how much thought can you put into what Leah says? It's like, yeah, I believe what she's saying, but I also believe that she's a terrible person because I've seen other things that come out of her mouth. I've seen other things that she's written. But yeah, you can, uh, you know, have this fire to understand Black Lives Matter or, you know, push for racial equality, but you're still not a great person. At the end of the day. Right, you're still a bad person. Even bad people can champion a good cause every once in a while. So that's not like the lady that I would want to hear from. (laughs) Yeah, and also it's like white people, it's on you, it's on me to talk about this be and that's something that w kamal Vallow said that's something that i think everyone said i mean i was taking i I watched the show and then i listened to um the podcast version of it and what w w kamal bell was saying was like white people need to talk to white people and then also you need to show your work like it's not enough to just say black lives matter like what are you actually doing systematically to dismantle um, a structure that exists in order to push down black lives and hoist up others, you know, like that's not, that's not okay. And talking about it isn't enough. It's like everything that I've been writing recently, like the past couple of weeks has been directed at white people because for most of my writing career, I've been talking to black women and gay black men. Well, I guess all black men, it started off talking 
gay black men, but you know, I I had this specific eighteen to thirty five demographic black folks mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to um, about breaking down uh, different things that were going on in politics. But now I'm just like we're having these conversations already. There are enough of us talking to each other. Some of us are going to have to take the time to teach white people how to talk mm-hmm. to other white. people. So that's what I've been writing. It's like, how do you talk to people about the riot? You know, how do you talk to white people who say rioting is bad? And then how do you talk to white people who say, what about black-on-black crime in Chicago? It's like, let me give you these these little nuggets of information so you can talk amongst yourselves because white people don't listen to me, but you will listen to each other. So let me give you, you know, some instruction on how you have this conversation. And I think that's part of what Debbie Kamau Bell was saying and part of how I feel about having Portia on the show is like we need some white people to say these things to the viewers. It can't just be us but um and what kind of response have you gotten back? And this is so, so important. So I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode, guys. So you don't even have to remember. <laughs> so let's talk about dot com because I'm gonna fucking link to it. But what kind of reaction have you gotten from people? Wonderful. Um, so a lot of my mail I actually don't read because if you are a visible black person on the internet talking about oh, current Jesus. events, you get a lot of uh, you know, negative responses. You get nooses, you get the N-word, you get all of these. No! Oh, I quit writing in 2016 because this guy in a MAGA hat recognized me in Times Square. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I already get N-words every day. I don't want to physically feel like I can't walk in the street. So that's, I pretty much quit back then. Um, I started writing again recently, so I'm like, you know what? I have a lot of say, and I want to teach. Um, so the comments, I, I don't usually read comments to my blog, but okay, that's I, good. I read the comments that come along with donations. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Guys, because those are all, and then give him some fucking money! Those are, those are always positive, because yeah. nobody's giving you $5 if they hated what you had to say. So it's really nice, like, you know, people will give a little donation and then write sometimes just a couple words, like, thank you, and sometimes, like, these long paragraphs in the comments of a donation, like, on PayPal or Venmo or something, and it's like, you know, this helped me talk to my grandparents about writing, or this gave me, you know, some factual information that I could use against my parents who, you know, the buzzword is Chicago. You know, every conservative's favorite word is Chicago. What about Chicago? So Um, So... That's what I based it on. I was like, all right, well, let's talk about black and black crime and include Buzzword Chicago. And then it's like, now I have something to say and I can change the conversation. So the response has been great. I like seeing the comments from almost all white people who are like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I needed this. I didn't know what to say. Because I feel like a lot of people, um, especially like new white allies, I call them, it's like people who align themselves with the right politics and weren't actually doing anything and now they feel they need to do something but they don't know where to start they don't know what to say and there are a lot of people who see the issue recognize the issue and don't know what to do about it and then they see the issue and they recognize the issue but they don't know how to counter the racist points that their families make and that you know acquaintances where the co-workers make so i try to give them points it's like this is what you could say to people who say this so they're not just lost and they don't you know they kind of flap in their gum that is incredible i mean i know i am going to be going immediately to so let's talk about as soon as this episode is done <laughs> frankly guys i believe in you that you can do two things at once <laughs> unless you want to stretch it out which oh. i also approve 
So one more that I want to bring, because it's kind of in relation to Housewives, I think. Please. Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of it. I wrote it years ago, um, but I read, like, you know, put it on social media again because it was trending. So, you know, Gone with the Wind, um, HBO Max had pulled it from streaming. And a lot right. of people were very upset. Years and years ago, the Orpheum Theater in Tennessee, they used to do a Gone with the Wind viewing every year. Oh. And they and they decided and they said they thought I think it was 20, either 2016 or 2017 they said they weren't going to do it anymore and white white women mostly because so many white women have gone with the wind as their favorite film and one of my That's friends so from boarding me. school was talking about how it was her favorite film and how she felt that you can't you know oh my god put a muzzle on art that way it was like oh this art is you know a very you know and the racism isn't even that blatant and da da da. The very first thing that you see on Gone with the Wind is words. It's, you know, they have a whole, um, you know, with the, I don't know what you call it, when the words start at the bottom and they scroll up across the screen, yeah, you know, yeah, like how Star whatever, Wars does, Star yeah, Wars. whatever. Yeah, 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 the Star Wars thing. The George Lucas. Yeah. yeah, so the George Lucas comes up for it, and it's a love letter to the South. It was like long ago in the land of gallantry and civility, you know, uh, and it just painted this picture of how wonderful slavery was. And it's like, and this is a time that is now gone with the wind. And that's where the name comes from. And she forgot about all of that. I was like, right in the beginning, it tells you that we are longing for slavery to come back. And then all throughout the movie, you are watching a movie about people who own people. I mean, yeah, you can identify with Homegirl because she made her, uh, you know, a dress out of curtains, but she still owned people. She's a bad person. You can't get around the fact that she's a bad person. She owned people. Your favorite film cannot be a film where someone owns people. <laughs> hey, like you could pick a better favorite film. So I was writing about how do we justify our art being racist? Mm. Um, where do you put art in that context? And it's kind of like, well, what kind of art is it? And what is it trying to show? And I think for Gone with the Wind, it's like this revisionist view of what slavery was and how happy the slaves were and how, you know, the Civil War was about, you know, gentlemen fighting over the right to say what they wanted. So that's revisionist. That has to be talked about as revisionist history. And then you have art or entertainment like Housewives that is purporting to show the real world and it's not. So you have to look at your art through that lens. It's like this not the real world. This is a fantasy. This is a fantasy escape. Or you can force your art to conform to the real world, which is what I think you guys are wanting to do now, is that you have to talk about these things because it's the real world. It's not real housewives. It's just housewives in a bubble unless they actually talk about what's going on in the world and you get people who look like people who live in the world. All of that, 100% is like eye-opening excellence. And I also think that you can look at Housewives inside the bubble and still hold the network accountable, understanding that the network's world is probably a little bit more real, regardless of whether or not that's good, than these shows are in and of themselves. Like, what's real in these shows is typically some hopefully like the women's motivations and behavior exhibited in scenes that are being produced for reality television so like their friend circles we know is the replacement phrase for cast and mm -hmm. there are examples of that and of 
you know, what's become more normalized, the breaking down of the fourth wall, which we'll see later on in New York. And we're seeing played out play out each week in varying ways in Beverly Hills. But we also just need to recognize that, as you said, like these are worlds that are in and of themselves very white in their reality, but that's not emblematic of the actual reality and the reality of how other people experience the same shit that these very white, um, sometimes fraudulently so wealthy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) wealthy with like a lowercase W, um, understanding that those worlds in of themselves are, um, operating in their own kind of vacuum. Does that make any sense? Like just kind of unpacking it and understanding what escapism means and that that doesn't necessarily release accountability, but you can also understand why that may or may not be taking place. Yeah. I think um, everybody who has had a discussion about this has had valid points. Mm -hmm. And I think that you fight for the change that you want to see. So you decide what kind of accountability Bravos have, and then you fight to see it. I think Kelly is one that everyone can agree on, and that is where we should rally our forces <laughs> right now. Like, let's get Kelly off the <laughs> I've never liked Kelly anyway, so I, I'm like, yeah, great. Oh, this works Kelly out well, person. then. Yeah, this is great. Like, let's this is this, a win no matter what. Get this terrible, nasty woman off of my television screen. He has never been an addition that I needed anyway (laughs) well i needed this conversation so i am so appreciative that you were on ag again we didn't even get near motherfucking beverly hills in new york so i'll see you in like literally a week because we need to unpack those shows (laughs) and listen um i might be available okay is all i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) can you tell the listeners uh how to follow you online and read these amazing um pieces that you've written so my site is so let's talk about dot com um i mean it's uh, right now it's very much focused on what's happening and you know mm-hmm. race and politics and stuff mm-hmm. but i also do a lot of entertainment random stuff when i'm not bombarded with the outside world um and then if you're on facebook it's so let's talk about you're on Twitter, and this Rocky D'Angelo. I love it. Rocky D'Angelo, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on Andy's Girls, and um, I'll see you in about an hour. Yes, ma'am. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. God, I learned a fucking lot today. Um and uh for hopefully many days to come and guys i hope you did too so um if you like what you heard and regardless you should be following candace online you should be calling following rafi online go to so let's talk about.com and read more about what uh, rafi discussed on this week's ag and um this conversation is going to continue. Um, P.S. There's a lot going on in New York and Beverly Hills. So we'll get to that too. Um, but I love hearing your thoughts. I love hearing your satchels. I want to know, do you guys like hearing these audio satchels from AG listeners? I find it, I love reading your satchels too, and that will continue. But I also love like the audio element of it all. Um, so let me know your thoughts and feels because some of those will be included on the next episode. Uh, but guys... Hang in there. Black Lives Matter. Holding Bravo to motherfucking account matters. Amplify Black Voices. Do what you can now because it matters. And um, 
this is, you know, Andy's girls. It's the people's people's couch. And even though we're having a quarantine style turtle time, hashtag whatever the fuck kiki, um, these conversations are important. And I think they're especially fascinating and personal when viewed within the Bravo lens. So let's continue having this conversation publicly and online. Do what you can. Donate to a Black Lives Matter based organization, of which I will include several in the show notes for this episode. And by the way, online after the Stasi Mishigas was made public, I mentioned a little intro, uh, a little uh, interaction that I had with Stasi IRL, and said I was considering discussing it on Andy's Girls for the very first time. It has not a lot to do with Black Lives Matter, but it definitely has a lot to do with Stasi's whatever. So (laughs) outfit of the day, if you're thinking about her soul. Um, And so here is my call to action for you guys. I would love to discuss it on the next episode, which is going to include a lot of conversation around Vanderpump rules. But here is what I want to have happen next. Donate any amount of money that you can afford. A dollar goes a long motherfucking way to a Black Lives Matter organization of your choice. I'm going to include several in the show notes for this episode. In order to read the show notes, you just motherfucking scroll down and it um, will give you links and um, sparkles and unicorns galore. Um, And email a receipt of your donation to Andy's Girls Show at gmail.com. If I get 20 receipts of donations to the Black Lives Matter organization of your choice, guess motherfucking what? On the next episode, I will publicly for the very first time talk about my little shenanigan. I almost said Shean again. Oh my God. Oh Lord, Sheena just got her wings. Um, uh, shenanigan I had with Stassi, um, which certainly made an impression on me and a couple others. Um, guys, I love you. Stay healthy, stay strong. Let's continue to talk. And uh, until next time, toodaloo.